Republicans are yet again trying to use the Supreme Court to disenfranchise voters. Hollywood decides that now is the time to cash in on COVID-19. We've already got a pandemic-themed movie to look forward to. And BuzzFeed's own Crystal Rowe is here to talk about the upcoming season of The Mandalorian. The date, October 29th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey everyone, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. So apparently, according to like the list of fake holidays out there, today is National Cat Day, question mark? And I just, I'm for it, I suppose. I think that cats get enough worship and praise every day that I'm not sure they need a day. Okay, I don't them. think I don't think that's true in any way. Um, they usually, I wouldn't say they get daily praise. I think they get like daily like eye rolls and oh, cats, look at them being cats. And I'm like, no, that's praise them every day. Also, have people understood by now that I love cats and he's loves dogs? <laughs> no, no. Here's the thing: I love cats too. If it, if we had more space. In our in our apartment, I we would definitely have a cat as well. I love cats; they're so low, low maintenance. They're great. I I really do adore them. But I, I I also say I say that they get enough praise because cats demand affection in a way that dogs want <laughs> affection. They are happy to get affection. Cats demand it from you when they want it. Okay, can I tell you something? So my one of my rewatches during quarantine is Real Housewives of New York, and um, one of one of the women has three pets: a dog, a cat, and a cat, and she's named them all Baby. She calls them all Baby. <laughs> but why? No, that's that completely defeats the purpose of. Uh, not even baby yeah, one, just, baby two, baby three, just baby. Just baby. So I want I want to just let you sit with that for a while and think <laughs> on that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to think about after we're done today. Thank you. Okay. It's time for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. Republican attempts to disenfranchise voters have once again failed in the Supreme Court. So there are two cases we need to talk about here. The first comes from North Carolina, where the point of contention was the deadline for counting absentee ballots postmarked by November 3rd. The original deadline to receive them was November 12th, but Republicans in the state said, how about no, and wanted to move it up to November 6th. The second case comes, again, if you've been listening this week, from Pennsylvania, where the court refused for a second time to block the state's three-day extension for counting mail-in ballots. Both states received deadlines. Again, the 12th for North Carolina and the 6th for Pennsylvania were upheld. But there's still a very clear message from government officials about when to get your ballot in. The race is on for Pennsylvania's 20 electoral votes of the Secretary of State and other officials here are saying, do not wait to turn those ballots in. Do not wait until Election Day. Turn them in now. Turn them in as soon as you can. Officials here are also warning this is going to take a while. This is the first time Pennsylvania has allowed this many people to vote by mail. And we probably won't know unless it is a major blowout who won the state of Pennsylvania on election night. It could take a couple of days. Officials are saying, do not worry about that. They are going to keep counting the votes until we know who won this critical battle ground state. Newly appointed Justice Amy Coney Barrett did not participate in either case, and the court press office cited the need for a, quote, prompt resolution, and the new justice had not had time to fully review the arguments before the court. Meanwhile, we've got new economic numbers before the election, and there's at least some small good-ish news in this. The U.S. GDP for this quarter grew a record 7.4% after a devastating plunge from April to June. This means the economy has snapped back a little bit from the effects that COVID-19 had. So 
How did this happen so quickly? The short answer is that people's spending habits went slightly back to normal. Well, the first peak we have here at what the economy, how the economy grew over the summer. I want you to imagine July to September. Remember beginning July, states were starting to allow restaurants to reopen outside with social distancing. People were starting to loosen up a little bit and people had $600 extra a week in their uh, unemployment checks. So money started to flow. So we saw the economy snap back 33.1% annual rate of GDP growth. So that's the good sounding part of it. Those spending habits, by the way, aren't just on restaurants, they're on things like furniture, cars, and homes. But here's the not so good news. All in all, when you do the math, compared to this time last year, the economy has shrunk by 3.5%, which is a lot. That's that's a really a lot of shrinkage for your economy. In order to have recovered fully from the pandemic, GDP would have had to have grown at least 10%. Approximately 23 million people are still on some form of unemployment compensation. And finally, the CEOs of Google, Facebook, and Twitter all attended another hearing, this time before the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation. The hearing was supposed to be about reviewing Section 230, which provides immunity for site owners from the content that users of that site publish, There's some exceptions for things like intellectual property, privacy, and federal crimes. Instead, it devolved into, well, let's have Ted Cruz do the talking for us. You you can censor the New York Post, you can censor Politico, presumably you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey, who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? And why do you persist in behaving as a democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Ted Cruz, everyone. On the eve of this year's election, the debate over Section 230 could not be more important, but it's also become highly politicized, with Democrats saying sites don't censor enough and Republicans saying they censor too much. Mark Zuckerberg in particular noted that Section 230 might be outdated, but all three of the tech giants mentioned that they had made huge strides in enhancing their content moderation since the 2016 election. I'm still thinking about the U.S. GDP growing 7.4% because it's like, yes, it sounds good, but I'm like already extremely panicked because like the weather's getting colder and people aren't going to be able to go to restaurants because they're going to be indoors, but maybe people will still go. And then also there's going to be Christmas shopping and holiday shopping and that's good. So that would go up, but then people don't spend as much in January. And also COVID cases are going to go. Anyways, you're just hearing me go through everything that's in my mind always. And I just don't think this is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Part of the danger is like saying like, yeah, we it grew so much so fast when it's like saying, oh, man, we've come so far after taking like 20 million steps backwards Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after running after going back five miles. We've made it forward three whole miles, guys. (laughs) We're so much closer than we were to victory than before. No, you're further behind. Oh, boy. And like they mentioned during that clip, um, part of the reason why the economy was able to snap back is because there was that extra unemployment funding that has yet to be put back into place by Congress. And uh, yeah, holiday shopping is going to be interesting this year. It is. It is, definitely. I'm, I'm wondering what that's going to look like. People don't have money, but people also are going to want to like spend money they don't have to like bring some sort of holiday cheer this year. So I don't know, man. All right, Casey. What is happening in the world of entertainment and pop culture today? 
Well, we've got just two weeks to go until Netflix drops the fourth season of The Crown. And this morning, we got a brand new trailer to tide us over until then. It seems to outline a growing conflict between Queen Elizabeth II, portrayed by Olivia Colman, and a newly elected Margaret Thatcher, played by Gillian Anderson. And please, you just have to listen to her accent. Your Majesty, I think we have enough respect for one another personally to ask ourselves some of the bigger questions, woman to woman. We are the same age after all. Really? Just six months between us. Oh? And who is the senior? I am. Ma'am. The trailer also outlines what's to be the season's other primary saga, the courtship and wedding between Charles and Diana, as well as Charles's affair with Camilla Parker Bowles. And by the way, Emma Corrin looks spot on as Diana. Like, it's shocking. Okay, so confession. Skipped over season three of The Crown. Like, I loved season two. It was beautiful, etc. Season three just didn't grab me for some reason. But now I'm like, interesting. I, well, th- this is a lot of drama, you know? We've got yes. Margaret Thatcher, and then we've got weddings and affairs. Like, this is... This is some juicy, juicy material here. I feel like most people who love the royal family have probably already been watching the show. But there's a, as we all know, a completely other different level of fandom around Diana. So I'm sure that this is really going to draw people back in or in. Yeah. Uh, going back to Gillian Anderson and her accent, though, she it's ama- I can't wait to watch this because on the one level, it does like sound like, wow, that is the world's best Margaret Thatcher impersonation. But on the other, it's like, OK, but she is like committed. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Gillian Anderson commits. She is good. I'm ready. I also do love about that accent. Like, it, yes, the best Margaret Thatcher I've heard. But also, it still sounds like Gillian Anderson. So I'm just like in it. I loved everything right. That's about what I mean. it. I sound like an impersonation. Like, mm-hmm. it's not definitely not Thatcher's voice. Right. But it's very good impersonation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The essence, if you will. Yes. And I shall. <laughs> okay. And moving on, here's some news I'm not sure any of us are ready for. I am not. I'll tell you that. Uh, Hollywood has decided it's already time to cash in on COVID 19. This afternoon, the trailer dropped for the pandemic-themed thriller Songbird, and the plotline looks, uh, extremely bleak. Curfew is now in effect. All unauthorized citizens must stay indoors. Tensions rise as we enter the 213th week of lockdown. A grim new reality emerges. COVID-23 has mutated. Beginning thermal scan. Thermal scan normal. A horrifying new development new today. New data confirms the virus attacks the brain tissue. Hey, whoa, 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 I'm immune! I'm immune! Worldwide death toll rises to over 110 million. All infected Americans are being forced into quarantine camps. Woo! The movie stars Riverdale's KJ Appa as one half of a star-crossed couple who fall in love online during the pandemic. But when I say pandemic, I mean the pandemic as it is in 2024, where COVID-23 has mutated to the point where the mortality rate is over 50% and the world is in its fourth year of lockdown. Now, this was the first project to film in L.A. after restrictions were lifted in June and at one point received a stop work order from SAG-AFTRA after not publicly disclosing their COVID safety procedures. And, you know, as you can imagine, the trailer has been met with immediate backlash online, being accused of romanticizing the pandemic and just generally being gross. 
The film also stars Bradley Whitford, Demi Moore, Craig Robinson, and Sophia Carson. It's set to release sometime next year. And uh, by the way, it's being co-produced by Michael Bay. So I'm sure this will all be handled very delicately. I have (laughs) so many Mm -hmm. questions. Me too. Me too. Namely, like, who is this for like I like what sort I I can't tell like what demographic they're trying to capture this is with for this. Michael Bay <laughs> this is for Michael Bay I'm just like part of me is like really upset about how they're like the world's gonna be in forever lockdown like you don't this is all about control this is all about fear when it's actually like no we're trying to save lives here guys I know, why are right. you why is lockdown the villain of your story yeah, I don't know what like the negative effect, like what the negative effects will be, because it's like who is going to end up watching this and what will they take away from it? Right. <laughs> so many different things that probably shouldn't be taken away from it. I also I'll tell you what my main question is. Why is this thriller called Songbird? <laughs> right. Like what what is your reference point here? Questions. <laughs> I have so many of them. Uh, I, oh, my God. I had another one, too. And it just went. Oh. Yeah. Also, this kind of feels like, in a weird way, sort of like the opposite of the Purge movies, which was secretly like a left-wing sort of movie about like the dangers of rising conservatism as the like movies went on and the dangers of like having white supremacists and having like people of lower race and uh, economic status wiped out in an annual event every year. Like secretly, wow, what a message. This I feel like the message is uh disease is bad but lockdowns are worse and that's <laughs> not ideal yeah uh i'm gonna not watch this <laughs> good call good call <laughs> all right when we come back we're talking all about the new season of the mandalorian with crystal Rowe. stay right there Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.comslash 2022. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quantum 
boundaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's a big day for Star Wars fans. The Mandalorian Season 2 comes out at midnight tonight. Everyone is talking about it, and I feel left out because I haven't actually watched Season 1 yet. Casey, have you? No, but I have seen all the memes, and that's what counts. <laughs> yes, To help us correct. break down the upcoming season of the show, we're joined by Mandalorian superfan, BuzzFeed senior editor, Crystal Rowe, to talk about some rumors and theories about season two. Good afternoon, Crystal. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm so sad you didn't watch season one. <laughs> so am I, but you know what? I, it's on my list. It's, it's fine. A very There's long a lot list, of great television there. out there. Completely understandable. <laughs> Okay, so I think at this point, we all have some vague understanding of the Star Wars universe, the Force, Jedi, Sith, especially Baby Yoda. But what does the Mandalorian saga contribute that is so different from what we've seen in the movies? For those out there, including me, who haven't seen it, why should we binge watch season one tonight? Look at me. Okay, well, so Star Wars... (laughs) Star Wars, if anybody's familiar with the saga and the series, has a lot of themes. Although one of the most consistent themes throughout uh, the films is about like family and like parenthood. But like generally speaking, um, Star Wars parents are not the best. You think of like Darth Vader. Darth Vader's not a great dad, you know, to Luke and Leia. He's effectively the big bad guy in a uh, film series. And even like the Rogue One Star Wars story, Galen Erso, who was like the lead character's father, completely absent throughout her childhood for the most part, for good reason, but still not there. And then even in the most recent films uh, trilogy, Princess Leia and Han Solo, you saw what happened with Kylo Ren. Again, not great parenting, but the kind of, <laughs> <laughs> sorry guys, it's just true. So, but the kind well, of- you sold me, now I want to watch. I'm into family drama, so no, no, no. Okay, okay. Well, what I was going to say is the interesting with The Mandalorian is that it's actually a really positive spin look of the relationship (laughs) of like a parent and a child. And it's like very unique for the Star Wars universe. And in my opinion, just really sweet and wholesome. Since you haven't seen season one, I don't know if you know the gist, but The Mandalorian, which is like a very popular sort of enigmatic character from the Star Wars universe. He's from, well, the clan. They're called like The Mandalorian. He's also called The Mandalorian, but he has a name. His name is Din Djarin. But I will refer to him as Mando because that's what they call him on the show. Mando is a bounty hunter. He's like the best bounty hunter. Uh, so he lives kind of like a rough and tough life. And he comes across in episode one, spoiler alert, but I think most of the world knows now, Baby Yoda. Uh, uh, Baby Yoda, as cute as he is, is supposed to be uh, this thing that he brings back to his client. And we don't know what the client wants to do. We know the client's a bad guy. Uh, but of course, along on his journey back, he slowly falls in love with Baby Yoda like the rest of us has so it starts to explore theories of sort of like being like a a parent or a single parent mando himself was adopted by the mandalorians so he feels a sort of kinship to baby yoda being what they call a foundling uh, especially in sort of these war-torn situations Uh, so they explore a lot of that and like nature and nurture uh and you know i think somebody once called it like a show about like a single parent just working his way through like (laughs) 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 <laughs> but in any, I know. So that's sort of the gist of the 
Mandalorian and why I think it's really cool. It's very unique within the Star Wars world, even though it's obviously got a lot of elements that fans will love from the Star Wars first. And of course, Pedro Pascal is wonderful and Baby Yoda is just the best thing ever. <laughs> so now that we have some basic understanding of the plot, okay. let's dissect it the trailer. With its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of Eon's past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? So what were you able to pick out in particular from the two minutes Disney gave us that could be important? <laughs> so there's actually a lot jam-packed into this trailer. Uh, sort of broad strokes. We obviously see Mando's ship, which is called the Razor Crest in the beginning. They're all sort of banged up. So clearly he's getting to some big trouble along the way in his journey to help Baby Yoda find the Jedi, uh, which all that uh, that dialogue, uh, that voiceover is from the end of season one. Um, so that kind of sets into, into motion what's going to be the arc for season two, I assume where he's basically just trying to find the Jedi, which have not showed up in the series yet. And then we see his ship fly over a sand planet, and there's, this is super geeky, but there's this Tusken Raider on a Bantha. (laughs) uh, No, you said geeky, but I almost made the Tusken Raider noise at you, but no one wants that, so continue. (laughs) It's it's quite a noise, so it's probably better for your listeners that you didn't. Um, So, But that tells us that he's going back to Tatooine, which is, of course, famously where Luke Skywalker is from, his home planet, and was actually in season one as well. How would everyone wind up at freaking Tatooine. Tatooine. It's like the ass end of the goddamn galaxy. <laughs> There's nothing there. There's Scum no and nothing there. How, do, how does everyone want to continue? I, I <laughs> no, digress. it's fine. I think it's purely to fan service. Like, remember this planet with the two suns? We're going back there. You all love it. Uh, but yes, <laughs> clearly, like, that's going to be in the show again. It was in season one, uh, the episode with Ning-Na. So, assumingly, he's going back there to find some help. We don't know exactly yet. There's theories as to why he may be going there um and then we see like an icy snow planet in the trailer again a bunch of theories that people have about what that planet could be i don't know i mean we know there's hoth from the original film series uh the the empire strikes back i doubt it's that but you know could be never know never know with star wars they revisit all kinds of locations um and the only new cast member we see in the trailer is sasha banks who is as far as we know unconfirmed what character she will be playing uh the season although there are again a lot of theories and then it's just kind of cool to see like characters traveling on a boat that's something you don't usually see in star wars usually jumping from planet to planet on like a spaceship so they're kind of just like slowly traveling on some sort of like water planet maybe that's entirely possible and there's like this little chase through clouds which evokes like imagery of like cloud city from the original series and there's just like a lot that's just like a lot of guesswork (laughs) but it seems like you know there's a lot of cool planets being visited in the season and of course baby yoda being baby yoda (laughs) WWE wrestler Sasha Banks is in the trailer. Rosario Dawson has long been rumored to join the cast. What has Rosario said? So this rumor was actually confirmed by Variety earlier this year uh, about Rosario Dawson being in the show and that she's playing this character called Ahsoka Tano. And she's like a super popular character with fans from uh, the Clone Wars. She was in like the Cl- Clone Wars animated film and then the subsequent series and then also the Rebels series. Um, and she's actually uh, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. Casey, a Padawan is like a sort of apprentice. <laughs> Did to, you like, see my the eyes Jedi. over? I'm trying to, I'm <laughs> trying like, to keep up. There's a lot of... She's a Jedi. 
guy. Just know that she's like a cool popular It's not like Jedi. YA where a lot of nouns are capitalized. Let's put it that way. Uh, uh-huh. Just common terms where you could use a regular word. No, special capital letter term. <laughs> Just capital letter. She's a Padawan. Basically, she's a, a Jedi. She's popular. And it's supposedly Rosario Dawson is playing her in season two. I have a feeling she's only going to be like a one episode character. But again, who knows? Any other casting rumors that are worth bringing up? Uh, I hear that Timothy Oliphant might be joining the cast. Yeah, Timothy Oliphant. I, like, love him. Um, So he was another one that was, like, confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter earlier this year. And there's a bunch of theories, though, about who he will be playing. There's one theory that he's Boba Fett, which I think is bogus. I don't think that's true. It just doesn't, like, line up. But there's this theory, here we go, the names again, uh, that he's playing a character called Cobb Vanth. So this character comes from a book called Aftermath. And the reason it kind of lines up is that Cobb Vanth lives on Tatooine, which, as we know, is a planet it will be visiting it has two sons two sons it has has two two sons sons. yes casey (laughs) good job casey good retention (laughs) and uh he's like the sheriff of a town there uh he's kind of a bad shady dude at some point in the book i believe he has boba fett's mandalorian armor which is like interesting um and apparently there was a rumor that timothy oliphant had been seen on set wearing boba fett's armor which i think is what sort of spawned the boba fett rumors but it lines up more i think with the Cobb vanth character plus like timothy oliphant you know is really tied to like western series he played a sheriff on like deadwood which was like iconic so it makes sense and there's a theory that this character will also be this character that was in episode five at the very end in season one ming nazar and like this character walks up you just see his feet and everybody's like "Ooh, who's this <laughs> so could be him all right before we let you go crystal let's do a quick lightning round yeah. of things that fans want to see sure. and whether you think they will happen <laughs> Ready? Yes. Okay. One, a Boba Fett entrance. YN. Yes. Two, a Luke Skywalker cameo. YN. Highly doubt it. Okay. And will we see a world of baby Yodas? Will we see the Yoda home world? I'm going to say hopefully no. (laughs) All right. Interesting. That last one, I'm curious. Why hopefully no? I love the idea that Yoda, well, the Yoda species, if you will. Yoda, Yaddle, et cetera. Yoda, Yaddle. Yeah. The unnamed species has a little bit of that shroud of mystery about like, you know, how, you know, where they're from, what the species even is. I kind of like the idea that they would never reveal that. What they take. Oh my God. It got really dark really fast. <laughs> that was a huge meme. Like, okay, but if you want to know what the baby Yoda tastes like. <laughs> no, so sad. Cursed thought. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us and unpacking all this knowledge. Uh, I am definitely going to start binge watching The Mandalorian ASAP. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Okay, it's time for Meanwhile on the Internet. We've had debates about whether hot dogs are sandwiches and if cereal is soup, neither of which I want to talk about. But today's food argument taking over the internet is Miracle Whip versus mayonnaise. The basis of this debate comes from the extremely popular, we'll call it popular, New York Times piece, Can You Tell a Trump Fridge from a Biden Fridge? And one commenter said, quote, I don't even know the difference between mayonnaise and Miracle Whip, so I'm already lost. Chaos has since ensued, with each side extolling the virtues of Miracle Whip and Mayo. And I, I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, Miracle Whip is disgusting. It is vile. I cannot stand it. And uh, if you disagree with me, uh, the gulag for you. That's that's where I stand. I literally have no clue what Miracle Whip is. 
Oh, man. I've heard it. I've never tried it. I'm one of those assholes who hates mayonnaise. But as soon as I see aioli, I'm like, yes, give it to me. (laughs) Yes, I am aware that aioli is just mayo with garlic and lemon and some seasoning. I'm fully aware. But I need to trick my brain because I am not a mayo person. I'll, I'll, I'll like eat it if someone puts it in my sandwich and I can't see it and I don't really know about it. But if I'm actively putting it on, I'm like, ugh, ugh. Yeah, no, I think that uh, Miracle Whip, the biggest difference is it has more sugar. Oh. It's sweeter. Picture the taste of mayo made with a little bit less fat, but also sweeter. And that's terrible to me. Like, yeah, I cannot abide by that. So I, I didn't realize this was the case for the longest time. But when I was growing up, uh, my dad, when making tuna, like just tuna fish out of a can, would use like the solid chunk uh, white albacore tuna and he put mayo in it, but then a sprinkle of sugar as well. And it took me years, nay, decades to realize that what he was doing was making basically like a <laughs> hack of Miracle Whip for his tuna. And I could not understand because it, it was gross to me. I was like, what? is happening here i refuse to do this but i i get that there are people out there who like it sorry dad to put you on the spot like that but i i can't i don't i would not i, I love would that not. he did that though i love a good hack i hate tuna sandwiches too so i don't enjoy any of this story but <laughs> this segment's making me gag <laughs> all right so I, I suppose though that the only take on this that really matters is this tweet from at the dragon reborn with the most elite typing i've seen in a while who said quote miracle whip versus mayonnaise excuse me they have names donald trump and joe biden (laughs) the dragon reborn said it not us (laughs) that's it for today join us tomorrow for another installment of dm 911 with stephen laconti and remember your pets all need different names what is wrong with you they can't all just be baby please think of why you're gonna call a pet the poor dog you're trying to talk to the cat the dog comes over it doesn't know why oh, i'm just mad be sure to subscribe to news o'clock on the iHeartRadio app apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories and please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. What grows in the forest? Our imagination and our family bonds. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. The Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our heart radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangsta Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. 
Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.